Will Pound joins me on episode 76. Will first started playing harmonica age 10 to help with his breathing after he underwent two major heart operations as a child. Since then, he has rose to fame on the English folk scene, being nominated for Folk Musician of the Year three times. He now plays harmonica and melodeon, diversifying his musical output to cover many different acoustic genres. Will has released a number of albums with a range of quality musicians, with his last album spanning the traditional music genres of the European continent. He has a number one Christmas single and a number one Christmas album on his resume, has played at Buckingham Palace and in an advertisement featuring Robert De Niro. This podcast is sponsored by Zydel Harmonicas. Visit the oldest harmonica factory in the world at www.zydel1847.com or on Facebook or Instagram at Zydel Harmonicas. Hello, Will Pound, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, Neil. How, how's it going? <laughs> Thanks for joining today, Will. So you are an English folk harmonica player, largely. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I, it's, it's interesting, actually, sort of how you describe me, because, I mean, I guess, yes, in principle, definitely English folk harmonica player. Uh, but I guess nowadays I'm sort of more or less thinking of myself as a general harmonica player, uh, you know, that plays lots of different musical styles. But, yeah, from England originally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, great. And so I think, were you originally from Warwick? Uh, so I was born um, in Rugby, but yeah, pretty near Warwick. And I was brought up near Warwick, yeah, in a, in a little place called Whitnash. Yeah, that's where I was brought up and, and, until I moved uh, away to, to Newcastle when I was, yeah, 18. Quite a while now. And you're uh, 35 now? Yeah, and uh, now I think, are you living in North Wales? I am, yes. I'm living up in Carnarvon. It's, it's, uh, it's such a beautiful part of the world. And it's actually like very a very inspiring place to sort of write music. So I have a little studio up there where I do some session work. And um, yeah, I do a lot of walking and I've written quite a bit of music. Uh, it's sort of inspired by the area in this fantastic place and a great music scene as well. It's fantastic. Yeah, fantastic, yeah. Are you learning to speak Welsh? Well, my, my landlord and landlady, they're English, but they do speak Welsh fluently. I've learned about four words so far. It's a pretty hard language, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's an amazing language, you know, and where I live in Carnarvon, it's, that's the first language. So you've got a very interesting story about how you started out playing harmonica. You could maybe share that with us now. Yeah, absolutely. So I... But yeah, it was brought up in the you know the, the folk scene. But the sort of the main reason that I got into it, ironically, wasn't through the music itself. It was through health reasons. When I was tiny, I had open heart surgery twice. Sort of when I was four days old, and when I was four um, four years old. And as a result of that, I had sort of not great breathing as as a result of growing up. So I had some breathing difficulties. I mean, it wasn't you know horrendous, but it wasn't great either. So and um, I was always sort of short of breath growing up you know so uh when i was about 10 i had a, a friend of mine uh ted crumb who uh, sadly passed away during in the pandemic he was a harmonica player and he's great and, uh, and my dad and doctor they they sort of uh encouraged me to pick up uh, the harmonica and i was at first i was a bit like okay well <laughs> give it a go and uh i'm so glad i did because you know i just immediately 
enjoyed the sound of it um you know and obviously there was the health benefits i just absolutely loved the sound and you know i guess with with some people they got into it because they've heard a certain player or you know a musician who plays harmonica or, or a track that has something you know uh, in it like the hollies or something like that in heavy's my brother or you know something along those lines where it was like you know the harmonica's a key feature but for me it wasn't it was literally just this is the instrument that could help your breathing. And, and that was how I got into it. And obviously, I enjoyed the sound. And so I decided to carry on, much to my parents, uh, I think, reluctance at first. <laughs> you know, but it was great. And from that moment, I definitely thought, well, I definitely want to be a musician. Were you 10 years old when your father gave you this first harmonica? Yeah, I was about 10, 10 or 11, but I think 10. I was always interested in percussion, so I was by that point I was playing percussion. I was playing snare drum and, and other types of percussion. And I remember growing up actually, I was always tapping my hands on the desk, you know, at school and driving my teachers completely insane. It's interesting actually because I definitely feel as a result of that I'm quite a rhythmic player, yeah. and I think that's where it comes from, you know, that sort of percussive style and. towards uh, musicians that I've collaborated with who are, you know, quite percussive as well. Yeah, so that's how I sort of got into it, was through health reasons, and it really did help. There's been a, a couple of books and some research studies done about the benefits of harmonica for people, you know, yeah. to help people with breathing difficulties and COPD. And yeah. So, you know, for yourself, did the doctor actually say that, you know, he saw, you know, definite benefits of, of playing the harmonica for you? Yeah, I mean, they did. And, and still now, you know, my fitness, obviously, I you know, I do exercise and things like that, because that's obviously important for my heart. I mean, it was interesting, actually, during the pandemic, obviously, we didn't play as much in sort of gigs and things like that. You know, what I practice at home is probably slightly different to when I do a gig because obviously it's more intense, isn't it? When you do a gig, it's like all in one go and it's like it's a gig. And, and I really noticed it after I, I did I remember doing my first one of the first gigs after the pandemic. And I did play, you know, during the pandemic, but doing, you know, sort of online things. But, you know, it wasn't like a gig where it's like intense. And I did it, this gig with Eddie J. Folk festival in Seattle, and uh, I almost like, like, you know, lost my breath because my my body wasn't used to that thing after a couple of years, you know. So I have to, you know, so I do keep really going with it. And apparently, that happened to a lot of wind players as well during the pandemic, you know. So I'd, I, I kind of had, I've had to build it up again. I'm all fine. I mean, I'm fine now, but you know, it took a good, I don't know, eight months, nine months to get it back up to sort of gig level. It takes a long time to sort of get to. A level where you sort of don't have to think about it, and, and but you know, but it's the exercise. I do. I now do breathing exercises as well and things like that before I do a gig. You know, because it does help. Great to hear the harmonica's benefited you in that way as well. So, so you mentioned drums are as well. Is that something you still play some drums? I'm a terrible percussionist now, uh, <laughs> but um, but interestingly, I have uh, I've started a project recently with a, a phenomenal classical percussionist called Dilly Stevens. She plays vibes and she plays all orchestral percussion, and it's quite sort of. I mean, the music we play is improvised, contemporary classical, but also just to like the planets and the like ascending. So Holst and you know the all manner of classical composers. And you know, I'm not from the classical world, so you know, but a lot of her playing obviously is percussive, <laughs> given the nature of her instrument, and so that kind of really drives me. You know, it kind of. Uh, makes me challenge my percussive knowledge. <laughs> it's yeah. extreme. It's great. 
you also said that you started playing obviously for kind of health reasons and therefore you didn't necessarily draw on the same sort of harmonica influences did that mean that you kind of learned to play the harmonica yourself without really any you know harmonica background or listening or you know kind of tutorials you know did you and maybe have you learned in a different way because of that you think yeah, absolutely. That so for, basically, what happened is, yeah, I got into the sound of it, but I wasn't. It wasn't. I wasn't interested in other players or, or anything like that. I just liked music, so I, I just listened to lots of different people playing, you know, different instruments. So I guess like what I really thrived upon was going, well, this is a really cool sound that the harmonica makes. I wonder if it can make this sound that's like a, I don't know, a saxophone or like a, uh, a didgeridoo or like a, a violin or, a, you know, um, or a sitar even. And because I was into a wide range of music, that's sort of what really drew me to the instrument because it is capable of a sort of impersonating some of those instruments, um, you know, to a certain degree. I was obviously into traditional music because of just because of my background, you know. And so, obviously, Brendan Power did come up. Uh, you know, I listened to his new Irish harmonica album when I was about, I must have been about 16. You know, I didn't know about Brendan, I don't think, until that time. So for five years, I played and, yeah, I was self-taught. So uh, I didn't have a tutor going, do it this way or do it that way. It would be interesting. I've always thought about this. I, I always wonder, what would it have been like had I been taught by someone or had some guidance, you know, into playing to start with? Maybe I would have played differently, you know, as to how I do now. So it's interesting. I don't think there's a right or wrong. I just think there's a, it's just interesting how our different paths take you know yeah. into playing instruments so i think for me it, it's a technical instrument but it's also a soulful instrument and when i'm playing i don't necessarily think i'm playing a harmonica i think i'm singing into this thing and like so i'm just thinking of different singers like ella fitzgerald or like nina simone or like great singers and you know how would they how would they uh play this tune how would they express the notes and also was brought up with a great love of jazz, trad jazz particularly. So, you know, that's kind of what I guess was going through my mind at the time. And obviously it's developed over the years, but I guess the main thing is I wanted my own sound and that was one of the ways I could do it. <laughs> and so you didn't listen much to blues harmonica players, did you not? Not at all. No. I mean, it, it, to be honest, my knowledge of blues harmonica players is fairly limited. And that's with no sort of disrespect to, you know, those players. Where I think it's amazing. When I hear it, you know, I go, wow, that's absolutely fantastic. That's so cool what they can do with their instruments and how they're getting the effects, you know, by the use of their hands or their mouth or whatever. You know, when I hear something like that, I get inspired and I go, this is cool, right? I'm going to try and have a go using that particular technique on a, something that I'm using. But I guess growing up, I didn't, I didn't think of it that way. It's interesting because I would have listened to blues. Obviously, I would have heard some blues harmonica playing um, while listening to different artists. But I didn't go specifically looking for a blues harmonica player that I wanted to listen to, and you know, like Sonny Terry, and go, I want to be inspired by that. Which is interesting because I do know that Brendan told me that you know that was one of the first artists that he he was inspired by that. You know, so it's it's interesting how people, you know, different people get into it. You know, yeah, and again. It- gives you a nice unique approach because you know probably i don't know at least 90 percent of harmonica players probably do start listening to blues and, and come yeah. it in that way so yeah it's nice like you say to have a, a different angle and a different approach to your playing so as you say there you're um you know we talked about you being a folk musician but you play other sorts we'll get into that when we, we talk about the music that you play but um yeah 
So what got you into folk music? You know, you grew up around, as you saw the Midlands, yourself of Birmingham in, in England. And, uh, you know, was there a good folk scene there and, and your parents an influence in that? Or? Yeah, um, basically. So I was born into, a, sounds always strange, like a cult. No, I was born into a Morris team uh, called Kinnerwood Morris, which is my, my mum and dad's team. Uh, as a result of that, obviously, sort of English folk music was quite a prevalent thing. And so that, that's, that's sort of what I grew up with. So I went to folk festivals when, you know, from a very young age, you know. Uh, it's probably worth explaining to, to the non-UK listeners uh, what Morris Danton is. So Morris dancing is different regional dancing from different areas of the of, of England, particularly. Um, so in different areas, uh, you would have a certain type of what they called Morris dance. So in the Northwest, which is the style I was brought upon, it would have been a tradition of clogs and, you know, flowery hats. And it was done by men and women. It was part of a percussive style of Morris, uh, amazing uniforms. Um, you know, and it was from the uh, the cotton mills. That's the sort of background, historical background. It was part of the Industrial Revolution, and the teams would come out and dance as part of you know the celebrations, May Day celebrations, and things like that. And it was it was seen as a hobby, you know, dance. And then there's what they call Cotswold Morris dancing, which is from the Cotswolds, and they're called the Cotswolds, uh, and so on, and so on. So there's actually about five or six different types of Morris dancing from the different regions. Obviously, you do get music with Morris dancing, and I have sometimes yeah. seen a harmonica play with Morris dancing. It's not a typical Morris dance music, though. Is it? I mean, harmonica is it? No, it isn't. Although interestingly, I do have a couple of harmonicas from a, uh, a musician called Ardell Woodley, and danced with a traditional team called Bampton Morris. Now he was a fiddle player, but he also played harmonica. There are recordings of. You know, in fact, there is a Cotswold tradition which lists harmonica as the main principal instrument, which I've sort of seen. But no, it isn't sort of seen as a, a an instrument that was used widely um, within Morris dance, which is ironic because I did an album using Ark called Three the Seasons, uh, you know, and a melodeon as well, my instrument. So yeah. interesting though because I wonder why it wasn't used more because it's a very portable instrument so you would have thought that would have been great and it's quite rhythmic so, so you mentioned the melodeon there. So you also play the melodeon, and that's something that you record with. So um, it's yeah. kind of your your second instrument is definitely the melodeon. Yeah. So, yeah. so again, so a melodeon is a sort of squeeze box with reeds, right? So has it got certain similarities to the harmonica? Which yeah, it works exactly the same way. Um, so I play two types of uh, of accordion. I call it but an accordion or a melodeon. So I play uh, the diatonic system, which is effectively it's, it works exactly the same way as a diatonic harmonica. So you have one note in one note out and so on and so on and it's brilliant because you know it basically automatically meant when i picked up the, the box for the, it's called the box for the first time i had a bit of um, an advantage because you know i already played harmonica by that stage and i was like oh it's just the same as that right great let's go i mean it has chords and it has melody uh, and there's two sides to it so it's a bit maybe slightly more complicated um, so yeah I played diatonic and I also played a, what they call the BC system which is the Irish system which is chromatic so it works like a chromatic harmonica so uh, yeah so I played both systems uh, I mean BC I'm less experienced in you know I've only been playing it for about I don't know two or three years or something yeah. um, but the other system I've played for years now So did you pick up Melodian uh, I think after you started playing harmonica didn't you so did you yeah. Was that a conscious decision to think that you needed a second instrument, or, you know, in the folk world to give you more? 
Well, really, I just like the sound of it. I mean, that's the thing. I, I'm, I guess for me, one of the main things I love about it sounds strange, but I love about music is sound and what sound can do, and also what can you do with that instrument that is, I don't know, a bit different. So it's not just about playing the notes and learning, you know, to be a great player. It's like what can I bring to this instrument that can make it sound a bit unique? The same way that I treat the harmonica, you know, I treat the melody in the same. So I might play it very percussively or I might uh, try and figure out how to make it sound like a certain other instrument. And also, for example, I'm, I get really obsessed by it. So this is <laughs> the diatonic instrument that I play, my, my own melodian. I play in every single key on it. I, I guess in the same way that Howard Levy plays the harmonica he sort of like tried to figure out every single scale on it and how to use that and utilize it so i did i've done the same thing with the melodian really i've mm-hmm. just sat down with it and done about six or eight months practice on my scales you know quite focused but it's great because it means that you can progress that instrument and it's interesting i definitely feel that as because i've become a over the years a bit of a better player on the, the accordion that's helped my harmonica playing as well because I'll come up with some compositional ideas on the box, but then transfer them to the harmonica, and it, it makes me play it in a different way, you know. So, yeah, so I kind of view the two instruments equally now, but, th- I mean, I'm probably more proficient, I would say, the harmonica, mm. just because I've played it for longer. You know, if people were interested in picking up the melodian accordion, or you, you think that would be a reasonably easy transition because of the similarities to her harmonica? Definitely the diatonic harmonica. Well, actually, the BC yeah. as well thinking about it because it, it works the same way it's just you know it depends what you want really it depends yeah. you know whether you want a more rhythmic instrument or whether because the, the chromatic one you know is slightly less rhythmic but it depends on the kind of play you are you know i've got one of my favorite musicians of that instrument is someone called Marcin o'connor who's an irish he was in river dance actually it just depends what you want and I noticed on uh, seeing some of your videos you've made that you play mm-hmm. the harmonica and the melodian together. Yeah. But you, in the video I saw you, you were holding the harmonica in your hand and playing the melodian with one hand. Is- is that something you do? You don't use a rack when you do it? Or have you... No, I've never been interested in that. And I, the reason, there's a reason for this, a musical reason. So if I was to use a rack um, and, and have uh, you know, both hands available, basically, that would be great. And you could do loads of stuff with it. But what I like is the less is more thing. So I have to then be more innovative you know, in terms of using the bass and using the harmonica. I have to think a little bit more. You know, but how am I going to make this song you know, interesting? Um, How am I going to use the basses? How am I going to use the harmonica? And I kind of think if there's slightly like more boundaries, then that kind of can help the, you know, the progression of the music, you know. So, and it's because it would sound totally different if I had, you know, it's also an image thing. It's for me, it's not for me, you know. It's, I prefer being a bit more freer in that sense. So, like, I, love like the sort of like limited you know it's quite limited in some ways but I kind of like that because it means like well how am I going to use the voicing on this bass how am I going to make that work with this harmonica and it's interesting you know certain harmonicas work better with with that you know certain keys work better so and it's just like yeah I, I find it really fun sort of like the limitation of it you know because obviously if I was able to have the rack and you know and just play use both hands and you know world's your oyster <laughs> 
because <laughs> you know? you're playing one in each hand are you sort of playing piano analogy like the kind of right hand in the in the harmonica yeah a little bit yeah totally it's like that left hand right hand thing and yeah. and also what's cool is is that i'll play some pieces where i'm playing a different sound signature on the bass than i am to the melody on the harmonica and i do wonder whether whether if i was using both hands and using the harmonica i, I don't know maybe it would work as well but i don't know there's part of me that kind of likes this just the sound itself of just the bass and the harmonica because obviously mm-hmm. I've got chord, I haven't got just bass on the you know on the left hand I've got the chord as well yeah and you know so I can do different voicings so I can make lighter chords I can make you know basic chords and I don't know yeah I just kind of like doing it that way so is that combination something you usually do when you're playing solo yeah so if I'm doing solo gigs I'll do a mixture of like solo harmonica uh, some solo you know accordion um and also yeah like the, the the mix you know using them both at the same time and what's cool is that i when i do my solo concerts i don't sort of stick to a particular genre i'll go from playing you know some irish trad music to playing like Sousa to playing like french musette to playing arabic music or bulgarian folk music and so on and so on or glenn miller <laughs> yeah i'll do a bit of everything just to kind of cover all bases i guess and, and and to keep people interested you know because it's you know as an instrumentalist it can be sometimes quite challenging yeah. to do a solo concert with harmonica and melody but i kind of like that i kind of relish the challenge and so now i've got a set list which does all sorts of things and keeps people interested and i also talk about the instruments during the gig as well usually if it's a non kind of folk audience you know people are interested they're like how does this instrument work and why does it sound like that when you're you know if you're playing a Bulgarian folk tune they're like what the monkey you know what's going on here I'm not aware of uh, any other harmonica and melodian combinations. Are you aware of anybody else doing that, the two instruments? I haven't seen it. I've seen concertina and harmonica done. Yeah, Rick Epping. Yeah, it, and it's yeah. awesome. I've seen I've yeah. seen that, um, but I haven't come across... Yeah, I'm sure there's someone on YouTube. <laughs> somebody out there, yeah. I'll let you know if anyone contacts me, yeah. So then, obviously, you've done very well in the in the folk scene in the UK. You've been nominated three times for um, Folk Musician of the Year. Yeah. At what point did you decide to, you know, really work as a full-time musician and, you know, and you, you know, do so well with it all? Um, so I went to university uh, in Newcastle and uh, to do a folk music degree, uh, and I didn't complete the degree. Um, I mean, I wasn't a very good academic, to be honest. Uh, but I loved the music. You know, the, what I learned up there was so useful you know, uh, working with other musicians and, uh, you know, it was just brilliant. And so when I was about 21, uh, that was when I left university and I I went full time. So I had um, a duo with a fantastic banjo player called Dan Walsh. And we'd been sort of playing in, you know, in Newcastle a bit over a course of like, I don't know, eight, nine months, you know, just working at material, playing at open mics things like that, I think they're really important. You know, I mean, we'd learned our craft kind of there at the open mics. And then we just started gigging. You know, we had an agent and a manager and we just started working on the scene. And luckily we, you know, we've managed to get enough work to survive, you know. Well, I remember the first time I became aware of you was when you played at the National Harmonica League Festival in 2009 yeah. with Dan Walsh. And, you know, it was a great set. And, you know, like you say, you were pretty young then. You um, yeah. had a great song um, called Turkish Delight, which I think is one you wrote. Isn't it? Yeah, 
yeah, so that's kind of how I got into, yeah, playing music full time. And, it, you know, obviously it's challenging, especially as an instrumentalist of an instrument, which is, I guess, you know, not very, I mean, it's prevalent, but it's sort of, it's quite niche, isn't it? Particularly in the folk scene. One question about, again, the melodian accordion, because you've, you know, you've done so well, it's say you were nominated three times as folk mm-hmm. musician of the year. Do you feel that, you know, having the melodians help you with that? Do you think you would have got that recognition if you were just a harmonica player? Well, the first time I got nominated, I had I played melodian on an album. Well, the first album I did, solo sort of album, was a cut above, and that was all harmonica. And that was how the first award came about. And an interview actually on BBC Breakfast, and that was through my um, publicity person called Jane Brace, who's been an amazing support. You know, she's brilliant. And so I guess from that sense, like that was the harmonica that did that. But obviously, yeah, I used a melodian in gigs and, you know, since I was about 23, 24, I think. But I definitely think harmonica is definitely the more prominent instrument. I mean, my most recent album, which is, you know, due to come out in February, is, you know, predominantly harmonica. But there are a few melodian tracks on it. And, you know, it's unusual, isn't it, in that setting? In many ways, that helps it stand out more, doesn't it? Because you you don't have lots of harmonicas in folk music. So, you know, it it makes you quite unique. Absolutely. Back to Dan Walsh, you released an album with him uh, in 2009, you say. And that was great. You you and a, a banjo play. Are you only playing harmonica on this album? Yeah, I was. Yeah, and you know that was. It was really interesting as well because obviously me and Dan were kind of we really loved music from all over. You know, all over the world. Yeah, like you say, we I wrote this tune called Turkish Delight, and that was kind of inspired by yeah the music from that part of the world. And you know, and then we played more traditional music from Ireland and from England and from Scotland. At that stage, I was still learning a lot about how you know what harmonicas work best for what you know in terms of you know the different tunings and things like that. I think at that point, I wasn't even playing what I play now, which is the Paddy Richter tuning, which is what Brendan Power invented. You know, so I I actually only started using those about six seven years ago now. You know, so up until that point, I'd played, you know, just normal diatonic instruments and sort of learned to uh, get around it, you know, by bending a lot, you know. But, you know, when I started playing Brendan's, you know, that tuning, it revolutionised things for me and, that, you know, and it's helped. Well, it's, uh, it's interesting you say that because I play quite a lot of traditional stuff myself. There's traditional sessions around where I live and, and I play the Paddy Richards as well. I love that tuning and that's pretty much exclusively what I play them on. And it works so well, doesn't it? It's what I exclusively play. And actually, when I now have people come up to me, you know, after concerts and they go, you know, what, how are you doing, you know, those fast Irish melodies or, or whatever, you know, or different tunes and I go well actually there's a, it, it's a particular tuning system that I'm using in fact I don't apart from one harmonica which I have now I don't actually use the normal diatonic at all anymore just because of the but just because of you know the music I'm playing um, you know I could still play it you know I'd, you know if I picked up one that didn't wasn't Paddy Rich I could still play it because obviously I played them for years but I think also they're not just good for folk. That's the thing, you know. They're great for bluegrass. They're great for jazz. They're great. For- Absolutely, that. I mean, basically, it's one note, right? It's the six of the scale in that bottom octave, and it's it's just it's incredible about how useful it actually is to have that note or not. Oh, it's phenomenal. Kudos to Brendan for doing that. It's actually brilliant. And, yes. you know, and Brendan's great. You know, Brendan's also been a great support to me over the years as well. And I actually now have a, sort of represent his harmonica. 
uh, tuning. You know, always send people to his website. You know, when they want, a, you know, a harmonica like that and that kind of thing. No, absolutely. Yeah, no, he's done a tremendous job. Yeah. So going on to the I think the second album you released, which is a cut above, which you say got you a lot of recognition on what nominated for the first folk award. So yeah. um you've got lots of different musicians on this album, right? You've got Eddie J. Also Martin Simpson is How did you get together with all these, uh, you know, these, you know, well-known folk musicians, which would be quite early in your career? I guess, kind of, primarily, I, I sort of got to know them over the years, and uh, I played in Martin's band for a little while, uh, mm. Martin Simpson Big Band, and so, um, and that was around the time that I was playing with Dan. Actually, I just chatted to, you know, these musicians and said, "I'm doing an album. Would you like to play on it?" And they said, "Yes." You know, and, and in that sense, the folk community is great because, you know, uh, you know, obviously, I was fairly early into my career at that point and you know but they were really good to me and um you know there was great you know chris drever from lao is fantastic and andy cutting andy was fantastic and i wasn't really interested in showing people what a great player was i'm not interested in that i I, for me it's about the music and it's about how can i you know give joy to people through my music and so you know that's why i chose these particular tracks because i felt they were joyful and also working with those musicians would help me um, become a better player and it did you know work it's inspiring to work with musicians who have a lot of experience and and so yeah someone like Martin or someone like Andy you know they were really supportive and, and it made me a better player. So I didn't sort of think, what harmonica am I going to play on this track? I, I kind of think a bit more like that now, but back then it was more about getting it out there and, you know, and obviously I wanted it to be good quality, you know, so I did think about it a bit, obviously, but it's it's interesting listening back to that now because occasionally I will listen to it and I go, I would have played that so differently now. Yeah, we always get that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's great that you, you, know, you say you've got that supportive community there. And then uh, you also released a couple of albums in a duet called In Haddo. Uh, was this with your wife? Yeah, my first wife. Uh, so my first wife, Nikki. So we it was great, actually. And it was interesting because obviously that was a project where I uh, was learning. Well, I, I've been playing the melody in a bit uh, by that point. And so I used the accordion a lot more with that. I did play the harmonica yeah. a little bit. Not loads. It was more of a, you know, a viola and fiddle and and uh, accordion sort of yeah. duo. And it was great actually because it it really taught me how to be an accomplice. You know, because obviously I wasn't the, the primary melody player, and you know I was playing chords. I was playing some melody, you know, and harmony. But it taught me a lot about that side of things. No, superb. Yeah. And then you did well. There's a Mark Radcliffe folk sessions album. He was a, a BBC radio presenter, and so you did, yeah. you did this with with Tim Ead. He was a you know, well-known folk guitarist, and I think other instruments he plays as well. So another really great musician you're playing with. Yeah, so how did you get on that um, on that folk sessions um, show with Mark Radcliffe? Yeah, so I released the, the Cuts Above album, 
I think that's where it came from. And my PR person, Jane, knew the producer on the folk show. And so we got a session on there. And she was actually representing Tim Media, I think, at the time as well. So we both went on it because we were releasing albums at the same time. And obviously, me and Tim, you know, we hadn't, I think at that point, we hadn't actually met each other. We had a jam and, and I was there with my, uh, at the time, my double bass player, John Parker. And Tim was, there, Tim was there with Patsy Reed, who incidentally I actually went on to work with in another project, a European project. It was great, you know, it was great to use the harmonica on a, a Radio 2 session. It was great. I like the fact that it can be played, you know, we can showcase the harmonica on, you know, radio quite often now. And that's, I do like doing that. Definitely. Yeah, good job. And then you did an album with Eddie J, who's an accordion player, an album called Ignite. So did you play more harmonica or exclusively harmonica because Eddie J was playing the accordion on this one? Yeah, exclusively harmonica because me and Eddie, I actually met like when I was, I must have been 17. It was before I joined the folk degree, I think. We, me and Eddie had like been friends for years and years. We just sort of played music on and off throughout the years. We did some music when I was about 18. We did some gigs and then we sort of, you know, went off on different paths. And then we met again about 2015 or 16 around then. And I said, I said to Eddie, let's do some gigs. And so this album happened and it's brilliant. We still, we still gig, you know, now occasionally we've got three, three or four gigs in for next year, I think. I saw you in playing at the Cambridge Folk Festival uh, two or three years back. Yeah. And you were playing with Eddie there, I think, weren't you? That's right. Yeah, we were playing with Eddie there. And it was, it was such fun because, I mean, because me and Eddie, like, we were, because we played together for so long, I imagine this happens with other musical duos where you don't have to kind of think. You know, it's, it's almost telepathic. You know, I kind of know what he's going to do. He knows what I'm going to do. And also the way that he can accompany is he's very percussive player which is what i play off you know he's not just an accordion player that can play the melodies and the chords he's like he can do all the rhythms he can do like three or four things at the same time and for me that's brilliant because i sort of play off that and that's what i like and some people said that sometimes they couldn't tell the difference between where the harmonica was and the accordion was at some points because we'd be playing in harmony or I always remember that gig really well at the Cambridge Folk Festival. We were in a, a sort of a, a side tent, but a big side tent. And I remember the there weren't that many people in the, in there. And then you guys started playing, and you guys blew up an amazing storm. It was inc- it was an incredible show. I'm I'm actually astounded to say that you had any breathing difficulties because you 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 know you, the energy and the fast excitement. It was a really great show, and you really got the crowd that got really packed in there. It was really exciting. It was it was a tremendous show. Will that one? I really remember it very well. Mm, yeah, I mean, that's the thing with mine and Eddie's shows. They're definitely the, the gigs that I use the most energy in. <laughs> that's for sure. Because <laughs> it's relentless. I mean, it really is. It's full on. It's interesting because obviously I work mainly in duos now with Jen Butterworth and Julie Stevens and with Jen. You know, I have a little bit more space to breathe in that. And, you know, there are some energetic pieces, don't get me wrong, there really are. Um, but there's also pieces, you know, where it's not quite as full on and they're longer as well um you know and i'm obviously playing the accordion in, in a you know a few of the pieces as well and jen sings so you know i, I get a bit more respite time to breathe yeah <laughs> but i love doing the shows with eddie because it's just so crazy yeah. 
Tremendous. Yeah, and it's a great album, that Ignite one. And then um, you mentioned already you did the Through the Season album yeah, we talked about earlier on. This is, yeah, this yeah. is the, the, the Morris Dance theme album and, and a lot of melodium, but there's a couple of harmonica tracks on there. Here's a quick word from the podcast sponsor, Blows Me Way Productions. Hey, folks, this is Charlie Musselwhite. If you're into amplified tone like I am, the best and only place to start is a microphone from Blows Me Away Productions. Check them out at blowsmeaway.com. You know I ain't lying. Yeah, and then you did a, another theme album, which is quite a major thing. I remember when you released it, um, it was great to see. You did a, an album called The Day Will Come, which was um, celebrating European folk music from the 27 member states. So you had music from pretty much every member state in Europe. Yeah, that's right. I, yeah, more or less. I mean, I, so I had, yeah, so I got the 26 tunes from the, um, well, yeah, including actually three tunes from there. But, um, but I had, yeah, a tune from every single EU state, um, I wrote a piece of music for the Romanian track, uh, and so it was sort of based on your Romanian music. But effectively, yeah, I, I went and researched lots of different tunes. And it was quite nice, actually, because it was a good mixture of harmonica and, and accordion on that one. I tried to make sure that it was sort of half and half, you know. I've got a solo harmonica track on that. I also used it in the Irish track with Liz Carroll and Jen. It was just a brilliant project to do. And again, I mean, I'm not sort of a, a harmonica player who sort of obsesses about his instrument per se. I obsess about the music and the harmonica is the vehicle in which I can use it. And I love the sound and all of that kind of stuff. And so that's what really drives me with my projects, you know, or my duos or my, you know, I'm obviously always wanting to learn about more about the instrument, but I feel that, when you learn more about music, you can become a better musician and, and you know, techniques and stuff like that will come as part of that. You know, you'll figure out how to do things or how to play a certain piece or... Yeah, absolutely. And because you played from all these different musicians in different countries, and, and, and I saw that you went and interviewed them, some of them, didn't you? So you really sort of dug deep into into the traditions there and everything. And, yeah. And uh, so this that was fantastic. So without getting um, too political on this, I mean, this was around the time of Brexit, but I think you said you, this wasn't a deliberate kind of um, comment against Brexit. It was uh, just more about celebrating the music, was it? Yeah, it was about celebrating European music. It wasn't sort of like, well, I'm going to do this project now because like, I disagree with or, or, or agree with Brexit. It was more like, well, this is really interesting. I, what, I wonder what music there is out there in Europe. And I didn't know I mean, I knew bits, you know, of European music, like French and Belgian music and a bit of Balkan, but I was like, I wonder what other music is out there from these different countries and what traditions they have. So I guess, yeah, obviously I did that project in a response to the political situation, you know, but it was a really fulfilling project to do because I got to learn about lots of different traditions and lots of different music and interview people who were really knowledgeable in that area. It's interesting, actually, looking back on it, I could have done a project about different harmonica music in all of those countries. But, you know, for me, it was more about the music. And also when I was doing that, I, I didn't sort of say to myself, well, this track is from Belgium, so I've got to make it sound Flemish or this track is from France and I've got to make it sound French. It, that's not the way I do my music. I, you know, again, I do, you know, my styles. It's interesting. Someone said in the review that if I had done it again, it might have been different. And that's totally true because, you know, I'm a musician that doesn't play the same things twice, really. <laughs> you know, not often anyway. 
you know, you mentioned that it got a lot of great press, didn't it? It got a yeah. lot of interest. You also received Art Council funding to help you do it and help you do the traveling to help, you know, go and meet the musicians. So that's all great. And you do a song, a Bulgarian song on there with the, the with the Scottish percussion player, Dane Evelyn Glennie. Yeah. The world's premier solo percussionist, right? So again, you got some great musicians on there. You know, working with Evelyn was just a joy. You know, she, she, it was, it's really strange about how that came about as well. So I, she wrote about me in the Times newspaper a few years ago and I had no idea about it until someone messaged me going, it's someone, you know, Evelyn Glennie's listened, like, like your music. And then I messaged her and, you know, and we met actually, and this was a few years ago now, and we had a little jam and met and she was just really supportive of me. And, um, and then, you know, but there wasn't particularly a musical project at the time that, you know, I could sort of involve her in really, or, you know, and then this, you know, project came up and I was like, I know, I went to Bulgaria and I, I researched the music. It was really good fun and, and actually loved it. And then I was just like, I wonder what Evelyn would be like at this. This would be really cool. You know, it's rhythmically all over the place. So I reckon she could go to town on this. So I was like, right. You know, so I emailed her and she was like, yeah, let's do it. And then we, we rehearsed for a couple of days and, and then recorded it. And it was fascinating recording with Evelyn because I had to literally sit next to her when recording because she's profoundly deaf. And she'd never worked with a harmonica player before. Um, so this was quite an experience for her as well as for me. It was really good fun. And, and like I was su- genuinely surprised at how it sounded. You know, I thought, this could sound great. Or it could sound awful. You know, I don't know. You know, it's two instruments you, you, know, you wouldn't usually put together. But I loved, I loved the fact that it was Bulgarian music and it was like solo percussion harmonica and quite stark at times. Yeah, and there's a there's a video of you playing with it as well. I'll put the link on that to the podcast page, which is really interesting. Yeah. yeah. So as well as all these wonderful albums and all these wonderful musicians you play with, there's three other pretty amazing things you've done with. In 2012, you mentioned the track "He Ain't Heavy Is My Brother," which has, of course, got a famous um, chromatic solo. So you played the chromatic harmonica on this song, which became, which is a charity single for the Hillsborough disaster, which was a football tragedy in in the UK in England. Mm. So and then this became uh, Christmas number one in, in 2012. All sorts of incredibly famous people on there, including um, Paul McCartney, uh, no less. So how did you get this gig? Um, so it was through Guy Chambers, uh, who's the pop producer or pop writer for Robbie Williams. And um, I got to know Guy for a program I'd done years ago called Goldie's Band by Royal Appointment. I met Guy on that. Me and Guy are actually really good friends. You know, uh, I actually saw him the other week. I was doing a session for him the other week. Uh, and he'll be um, involved in a, another project that I'm doing soon about climate change. Yeah, so I, I basically got for the gig for Guy and he said, look, I'm doing this charity single yeah, it went on to be Christmas number one, which was bananas. <laughs> you know, I was in the music video with Paul McCartney and stuff. It was quite surreal at the time. And also, you know, I was aged, what, I was 22, 23. It was quite a strange experience, you know. Do you get to meet, you know, all these singers? Like, you know, did you meet Paul McCartney, for example? I met, I met some of them. Uh, I didn't meet Paul McCartney, but yeah, it was, um, it was cool, yeah. But, and you mentioned the other thing there with Goldie's band. So the, one of the other incredible things you did is you played at Buckingham Palace in front of Prince Harry, and this was part of a sort of music initiative which Goldie did. That was before the Hillsborough single then, was it? Yeah, it was, yeah. So I did this programme. It was funny, actually. I, I ended up, 
my partner, Polly, she, she said, um, oh, I, I want to know about this. So she, we re-watched it a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it was amazing because I, you know, I hadn't watched it in years and years. You know, I'd only just started playing properly full-time then. You know, it, was quite, it all happened in quite, you know, quick succession. I was playing with Dad, and then I had this programme come along, and then, uh, you know, it was quite a lot to sort of take on board. But, yeah, we ended up doing this concert at Buckingham Palace and playing there. It was, it was wild, you know, it was totally surreal, to be honest. Uh, and then the third incredible thing you've done is you've recorded on uh, some sessions with Robbie Williams, who's a uh, you know very famous yeah. English singer and has done very successful in the charts. So you've recorded on two of his albums. One of them uh, was on Melodion on on his Christmas Presents album, which which got to number one in the charts. So you played Melodion on a, on a number one album as well as a number one single. So that two incredible things. And then you played on on his album The Heavy Entertainment Show, where you're playing chromatic and bass harmonica on that. You know how how did you get the the, the sessions with Robbie Williams? It was through Guy again. So, you know, Guy is obviously, he works with Robbie. And yeah, I mean, I've been very lucky, you know, meeting him and um, meeting Guy, and he's a good friend. And, and so it, it's really good fun. That's what I love about being musicians. You get to, and being a harmonica player particularly, is that you get to play on different types of music, you know, pop music and jazz and, and blues and folk and or whatever, you know, all sorts. And it's funny, actually, that with that album, with the bass harmonica, I'd never actually played a bass harmonica before. I never played one until that session. And I remember ringing up the Suzuki with that Milton Keynes. Howard Johnson. And saying, uh, I need a bass harmonica. I don't know one. Can I borrow one? They were like, yeah. So I went down to Milton Keynes on the way down to London, never, having never played a bass harmonica, and then learned it very quickly. You mentioned Jen Butterworth doing yeah. playing in a duo with her. So she's a tremendous yeah. guitar player, playing traditional sort of Scottish guitar player. You, you know, you've done some recording with her... And recently you put out a song uh, with the bass player John Parker. You also mentioned uh, you put out uh, Amazing Grace release on Spotify. Uh, And also uh, a Christmas song, Jingle Bells, you released that this year, yeah? Yeah, I did, yeah. So the Jingle Bells thing was just a bit of fun, you know. And again, that was a track that was done just with the bass of the box and the and the Mufi, you know. You know, it's a bit of fun. And, you know, uh, and then obviously Amazing Grace with John, that's something that we've been working on for years. You know, we've done it for years in gigs. It's a obligatory a harmonica song to be able to play Amazing Grace. So, yeah, it's great you got that out. I mentioned three amazing things you've done. I should make that four because you also recorded harmonica on a TV advert with Robert De Niro for a, a British bread company called Warburton's. Yeah, I did. It was interesting that because it was, do you know what? It's the shortest harmonica session I've ever done. It was 10 minutes. So the, it, I, went, I remember going to the composer's house and he said, can you just like play some sort of mad like blues solo like music? And I was like, okay, well, that's a strange brief, but okay, I'll give it a go. So I did. So for 10 minutes, I just did, you know, licks, you know, blues licks essentially. And then he sort of comped it all together and that's how it came about. Uh, and you also recorded some uh, harmonica on a Sky TV comedy called Breeders, which stars Martin Freeman, the the Hobbit from the Hobbit movies. So uh, another great another great thing for your CV there. 
Yeah, that that's carrying on. And I mean, the breeders thing is interesting because I did two days recording down is in London at Air Studios for that. You know, it was quite bizarre. I didn't really sort of know what it was going to be, and then it's sort of it's on series three now. I think or something, which is great. You know, it's really good. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed doing that. Actually, it was really really good fun. Bookwise, you've written a, a tune book for your tunes on a, a Day Will Come album, yeah? So that's available to purchase from your website. Yeah. Did you write all the tunes or most of the tunes then for that album? So uh, so basically, A Day Will Come was all the sort of traditional tunes from, from the different countries. And then and I had them written out, you know, notated. And then I had a, uh, a book of my own tunes, uh, which is part of that collection, I guess. A friend of mine, Jude Reese, she, she, um, she notated it all. So some of them are harmonica bass tunes, some of them are box, you know, so there's like, I don't know, something like 60 notations that people can buy, you know, with, with, with all the different notations. So yeah, that you can get that on Bandcamp. So we talked about you playing um, Paddy Ritz harmonicas. You, you do also play chromatic. Yeah, heavy. He's my brother's a good example, but um, you play it on a few of your albums, like uh, the Richard the Third from the Ignite album. Played chromatic for a long time as well. Did you pick that up? You started out on diatonic. Yeah, I have. I actually picked up the chromatic not that long after diatonic. I mean, I know some people, you know, they they sort of pick up the chromatic, you know, quite a while after playing the diatonic. But I kind of treat it again. I mean, this is an interesting question because some people obviously play the chromatic in the sense of it's a chromatic instrument, so they learn, you know, all the different keys on it. And I don't really play it like that. I play it more like a diatonic, but I use all the percussive sort of ways of playing it. Obviously write lots of different types of tunes on it, you know, so I've learned like some different scales on it. I came up with a way of playing quarter turns on it, which Brendan said was quite unusual. I chatted him about it once. And uh, yeah, I, I use, I do play the chromatic uh, quite a bit still, actually. Um, I play it in my um, duo with Jem Butterworth. Like, I use it for a particular sound. If I don't feel that the diatonic is going to suit a particular tune, I'll try the chromatic. I love it because it has such a different type of quality from the diatonic. It's just a different instrument, you know. I d- but I do use it, I guess, a bit like open tuning on a guitar. I don't play in loads of different keys on it. And I'm, I'm not I'm not that kind of player. So a question I ask each time, Will, is if you had 10 minutes to practice, what would you spend those 10 minutes doing? I, th- I think it's about the tone for me and also not just tone, but about, you know, what music am I enjoying at that time? So what would I spend my time doing? It could be Queen of Sheba by Handel, or it could be, I don't know, I could be writing a tune, learning to play a bluegrass lick or whatever. So we'll get on now to talking about gear. So we've already talked about the fact that you play Paddy Richard tune harmonicas. I think you, are you also still exclusively playing Brendan's power harmonicas? Um, no, so I play um, I play all sorts. You know, I play the diatonics by Honer, the, um, no, not Honer, the Oscar ones, um, you know, the sort of minor melodic and, you know, those different tunings. I do obviously play the, you know, the Paddy Richter system, mainly that. I mean, that's probably like the most prevalent one. Um, obviously, I play the chromatics and there by Suzuki as well, either the 16-hole version or the 12-hole version. So do you play different key chromatics? Huh? Yeah, I do. So, like, I'll play any key really depends on the, the tune and it's interesting actually with um with irish music obviously a lot of the time they're played in like the keys of like d and a and g and stuff or c whereas i quite like playing them in the flat keys those tunes because they just change they change the whole flavor or the whole 
it just sounds almost like a different tune. It's not, you know, obviously melodically it's not a different tune. But yeah, so I have like on the diatonic instruments, you know, on the harmonicas, I have every key, you know, more or less. So I might play a tune in G sharp and it would sound completely different, obviously, from playing in D, partly because of some of them sound warmer than others, you know, depending on the key. Interesting you should say that because obviously a lot of traditional music tends to be in kind of G and D as the, you know, the most common ones. So you yeah. quite like, you know, going off and doing the different keys um, to sort of maybe so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so quite, so for example, the opening track on my new album with Jen Butterworth, we play uh, three tunes. The first one's in G minor, so I'm using a B flat, you know, Paderecta. Uh, then the second tune's in B flat, which is a Scottish reel, which usually would be playing D, about called the Barabang reel, so I play it in B flat. And then the last tune's in F, which is a bluegrass tune, which would usually be played in A, I think, called the Clinch Mountain Baxter. But I play it in F. I feel it just suits it better on that particular harmonica. No, it's quite a warm harmonica, the key of B flat and F. But then I might use for another tune, I might use a harmonica that's in E, which is obviously a lot higher, you know, in pitch. You know, it just depends on what we're kind of going for, really. Yeah, and all these are pretty much tuned in Paddy Richter. Yeah, I mean, on the, on the album, on that particular, everything's in Paddy Richter from what I can vaguely right. remember. And I use, and I use um, chromatic on a couple of them as well. Do you use any overblows? I do use overblows, yeah. So I do use, uh, so when I'm doing, yeah, some of my technique involves overblowing. Quite a lot, actually, when I'm playing the Paddy Richter system. Because I do little, little bits of gypsy jazz as well. So if I'm playing uh, a tune like Sweet Georgia Brown, rather than playing chromatic, I've taught myself how to play it on the diatonic. And that involves obviously using overblows, um, both in the, the you know the lower register as well as the upper. I mean, I, I find it fa- so. For example, one of the one of the exercises I was doing during the pandemic was picking a particular tune and learning it in four keys on the same harmonica. So a bit like how Levy, what Howard Levy does, yeah, along those lines. You know, so if I was to, uh, pick up a D harmonica, I was learning to play an Irish tune in B major or in E major. So like I've become quite like I love playing E major on the on a D uh, diatonic. I, it's so be- it could be really soulful. It can almost be as soulful as picking up the you know an E harmonica playing an E it, it, because of how the bends work and how the overblows work. It can almost it just sounds different. You know, it's really cool. That's what I love about the instrument is that when you start playing it, you know, having the ability to play in different keys on the same instrument, it, you know, there's a kind of whole world opens up. Well, exactly. It makes you play different riffs, doesn't it? Because if you always play, say, in second position, you're, you're always kind of playing this, all, in a way, you know, a lot of the same riffs, aren't you? It forces you to get away from that, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely does. So, you know, for example, yes, so because of playing, I learned to play in B major on a D major harmonica, it means I could switch, you know, I could, I know I didn't have to pick up a B major harmonica or an F sharp harmonica, I could just go, right, I'm going to play cross harp B. So I had one of the tunes I learned in B major on the, um, on a D harmonica was the uh, song of the Jolly Beggar Man, uh, like Trad Irish song. I thought, well, it was more of an exercise thing, but it sounds really nice. You know, it just sounds a bit different because of where the bends are. So, yeah, it's good fun. Uh, so what about your embouchure? Are you a pucker, a tongue block or anything else? Uh, I do do a bit of tongue blocking, yeah, actually. And that's something I got into more recently. And I, I use it more as a percussive thing. You know, so I use I don't use it necessarily as a melodic. Def- I mean, I do use it a bit, you know, doing chords and things like that. Um, but it's more percussive thing. But I'm definitely not, uh, I wouldn't say I'm an expert at unblocking. There's some great players out there do that. But I definitely use it. Um, and there's different ways of using it, which I think is quite cool. You know, it's good for harmony and that kind of thing. And so equipment-wise, what about mics and amplifiers? What sort of approach do you take there? 
That's a really cool question. So I recently, and I've had quite a few people inquire about this. So I started using DPA and and using a, a, a sort of a, what they use with actors. You know, it's a, basically a, a mic which comes around to your mouth, like a tiny little mic. It's a DPA mic and it's, it's just great. It's like a, you know, it's a headset, essentially. It's a headset. What it's done is revolutionise that my gigs because I don't play into a mic anymore, like a you know like a, a normal mic on a stand, or and I and I don't use use a, a mic with my hands because it hurts. Obviously, if you're a blues player, like a bullet mic is going to be like your go-to or or whatever you use, you know. But for me, because of the way I play, it's more acoustic based. I just want the natural sound of the instrument to be enhanced, you know, for a stereo system. So I just use this DP, and it's stunning. Interesting. I'm not sure about you know come across anybody who's used one of those. You've kind of got it um, obviously on the far side of the of the harmonica. Yeah. So I've got it on my. So if you you know if I was to face the stage, it would be on your left hand side. Mm. You know if you're looking at it, um, but on my right hand side. And so they we had to adjust the mic a few times to see you know how best to get the sound. You know, and I have my harmonica when I'm playing. It's at a slight angle, so it's a slight angle. So they had to sort of adjust it. But it's revolutionised. I mean, I actually had someone from America message me going, you know, because I put something up, something out about it, and you know, people were like that, like that's just changed things, you know. So DPA, who are the company that I've been dealing with, you know, like they've like we've never had a harmonica player come to us before. Why hasn't that happened? You know, um, and for me, it's like if you're if you're a player who you know plays tango or plays jazz or plays folk like for me it's like brilliant because it means that you can use your hands you can use your hands free essentially and what about effects do you like any effects on your sound no not particularly i use so when i'm using when i do gigs i have like a little bit of reverb i think effects are incredible but i'm not a master of that i guess the effects that i do come from literally you know acoustically so you know they come from my mouth and my hands and you know, those are those are my effects yeah and i think for me like if i went down that route i'd be a nightmare because i'd be just like what's the next thing what's the next thing and i quite like the limitation to a certain degree but that's not to say i think it's wrong i think it's amazing yeah i mean like you say it's a whole new world once you start getting into that i borrowed some effects pedals off my yeah. guitar player friend and i started playing with them it's like god how much time you need just to work out all the different effects they can do it's just like, um, and that's just a few pedals you know like so there's millions of these things but yeah it's a it's an incredible one yeah it's interesting though because i quite like on um, this new album with jen like we've uh this one bit of a particular song it's more for a production thing and they did put an effect on the harmonica but for like one bit of it and it sounds great but to, you know i wouldn't necessarily do that live it's just more of a you know production thing Interestingly, I've always been interested in doing a harmonica album, which, you know, working with someone who does trance music yeah. or dance music, sort of using the harmonica as an acoustic instrument within that. Yeah, I've always thought that would work really great as well, having the harmonica on that. Yeah. Okay, so then final question then. Obviously, you've mentioned that you've got an album coming out with Jen Butterworth next year. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that would be great to see. When are you expecting that to come out? February, so quite soon. Um, and then we're doing a tour in March and, and then in September, festivals. And so, yeah, I'm really excited about that. And it's been great because like, it's really developed my playing, playing with such a great player that Jen is. I think like any musician, you go through periods of time where you, 
you get you get some inspiration again and that happens every now and again and that was definitely one of those moments you know and it really sort of drove me to go right I'm going to get back on it again and get learning and you know it's great it's really really good fun so thanks so much for joining me today Will Pound cheers thanks so much Neil it's been great thanks to Zydel for sponsoring the podcast and be sure to check out their great range of harmonicas and products at www.zydel1847.com or on Facebook or Instagram at Zydel Harmonicas. Thanks to Will and thanks to Donald Gavin for his donation to the podcast. Really helps me keep this thing going. As this episode is going out on Christmas Eve 2022, let's hear Will play us out with his version of Jingle Bells. Merry Christmas all! Christmas all!